Hi, I'm Rob Vilnev, CEO of Rebel.com and Startup Canada Fellow for Culture and Engagement. As a leader, engaging your employees is all about listening. Set up tools for employees to safely and anonymously give feedback without repercussion. When you build a culture of listening, you can easily tune into negatives, take action, and turn them into positives. By doing this, you'll find that the disengaged employees you've maybe lost hope in can quickly become your strongest positive influencers. The takeaway here, your employees will tell you everything you need to do to improve your culture, so make listening a priority. Learn how to get the most of your payments through simple, safe, and smart card transactions. Visit MasterYourCard.org forward slash Canada for tips to master small business security. Master your card with MasterCard Canada. You need to be available when a customer needs to reach you. Business depends on it. Rogers Unison provides the powerful features of a traditional desk phone in a simplified and truly mobile solution. No apps to download and launch. No mobile data usage charges for phone calls. No need to pay for unused landlines or desk phones. And the ability to route incoming calls to whoever's available. No more missed calls. To learn more, visit rogers.com forward slash unison. Is your startup financially fit? Join 10,000 entrepreneurs across Canada building financial foundations with Intuit QuickBooks. Attend a Startup Foundations workshop online or in a startup community near you and receive a free one-year subscription to QuickBooks Online. Visit www.startupcan.ca forward slash finance today to register. Get paid faster. Create and send professional email invoices in minutes with PayPal. Join over 250,000 Canadian businesses using PayPal to accept payments. Get started today at www.paypal.ca forward slash small business. As an entrepreneur, you're always looking for ways to work smarter, faster, simpler, and better. Grow your business your way with transformative tech like Microsoft Azure, Office 365, Windows 10, and more. Visit modernbiz.ca, that's modernbiz.ca, and see how Microsoft can help you run your business anytime, anywhere. Disruption, investment, work-life balance. Delving deep on the topics that matter most for entrepreneurs. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. Welcome to the Startup Canada Podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across the country. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular listener, welcome back. If you're are new to the program, don't forget to visit the iTunes store to subscribe and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I am your host, 
Rivers Corbett, founder and CEO of Coaching by Rockstars. Ever thought about a career as a business coach? Coaching by Rockstars teaches business coaches how to build a successful coaching business from scratch. Visit coachingbyrockstars.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's podcast show. My name is Rivers Corbett and the word transformative really defines our guest today. We're just so lucky to have on the show today, Shira Barberstock. She's the founder of Oguaho International. Oguaho International is one of the most influential advocates of Indigenous business in Canada and around the world. Shira is also a community leader at Startup Kingston, bang on, a community of entrepreneurs in Eastern Ontario. In today's podcast, we'll be talking to Shira about her successes. And I don't know, I got to get these script writers to stop putting that word failures in there. I like to call them lessons as a social entrepreneur, the connection between innovation and reconciliation. And she'll share some top Indigenous entrepreneur stories with us that we should know all about as we kind of sprinkle those throughout the conversation. Welcome to the show, Shira. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's fantastic. So let's kind of start with, you know, you and this passion for uh, social innovation. Where does, where does that come from? I'd have to say probably the influences in my life. I've been really, really fortunate to be around some really great innovators. Uh, it's really exciting to see that there's so many social entrepreneurs right now. And I really believe that with the right social business model, people can change the world. So I've seen everything from green energy producers to people creating new novel solutions to social problems. And it's really made me very uh, excited to be a social entrepreneur. And it's also the first time in my life where I've really felt like if I if I pursue entrepreneurship, uh, I can make really good change. So that's what has me mm. so excited. Was there a was there a, a a pivotal point in your life that said, "Oh my gosh, that's what I want to do is help the world be a better place, uh, whatever." So is or did that kind of just kind of emerge out of the fact of you're really blessed to be around people in an environment that really supported that? Actually, believe it or not. The way that I started to learn about this stuff was actually through academia before I even became ah. an entrepreneur. And maybe that's something that would be really good for us to to talk about. So Sure, let's do yeah, it. So I used to go to Western University. I'm a bit of a late bloomer. I, I didn't actually go to university until I was in my 30s. And okay. at Western, I was doing First Nation studies and I was doing health environmental geography. And I remembered when I was taking some of the classes in First Nation studies, uh, even as an Indigenous person, I was learning a lot of really amazing stuff. But I felt like a lot of the times when we spoke about business, I, I felt like we were learning about the a lot of, with the worst case scenarios, I guess. Mm. So the situations were very large. Corporations came to First Nations communities and, and things didn't turn out so well. So right. when I was at Western, I thought, well, it can't all be bad. And this is very, I, I'm fine. I was finding it a bit disempowering as an Indigenous person because I, I wanted to know if there were good success stories, you know, if there were situations where businesses actually helped Indigenous communities. And so I actually ended up doing a, uh, a reading course with a professor and mentor of mine, and we looked at capacity development, and I purposely sought out best practices for Indigenous economic development and an Indigenous business. And I was, mm. I was really surprised to see there were actually a lot of um, a lot of really good examples 
where uh, non-Indigenous companies or even Indigenous companies actually did generate and create business more at the grassroots level. And it was really successful. Uh, after that, I did an undergraduate thesis where I interviewed chiefs, counselors, and administrators from five different First Nations communities. And I asked them what their views were on Indigenous economic development. And I was really surprised to see that they were all very interested in economic development for their communities. And in fact, a few of them had actually identified that um, green energy was actually really of interest to them. Because mm-hmm. they saw themselves as being stewards of the earth and wanting to take good care of the environment. And there was opportunity there. So I actually started to get excited about business when I started to, uh, to, to actually do research. And when I saw that there were best practice models for indigenous business and economic development. And that, in fact, there was some very, very good grassroots movements going on. So, Very cool. Mm-hmm. I love it. So academia allowed you to have that enlightenment at Western, by the way, my son goes to Western. So uh, it's a great school for sure. So that was the enlightening point that uh, continued along your journey. That's just, that's, that's amazing that, yeah, it's it's rare that I hear, I shouldn't say that it's not, it's it's rare that I hear it, but not that it's necessarily rare that actually academia creates that, uh, that pivot point. So, uh, so that's really cool. So, so on to that note, how, how do you, you know, tell us the story of Oguaho, uh, international. Okay. So in, in 2013, uh, I was still going to Western university. And at that time I actually, I actually got married in 2013 as well. And my Uh husband was working, he's first nations. He's actually uh, Haudenosaunee. He was working at one of the local first nations. And as I said, I was in first nation studies and my, my husband, uh, lived in, uh, lives in Tyananega Mohawk territory. That's where his family's from. So we used to travel back and forth from London to Tyananega all the time. And that's a really long drive. That's how long. Oh, it's probably about four and a half hours, four and a half to five hours. <laughs> right. On. And we, we used to, you know, obviously have these really amazing, you know, car chats when we went mm. back and forth. And I remember one day we, we got into this really deep discussion. He was talking about some of the, the challenges he was experiencing when he was a, a band manager, like some of the struggles that some of the communities were having. And, and I was talking about some of the stuff that I was learning and, and and we just had this moment where we're like, let's stop talking about it and let's actually do something about it because anybody can talk about it, you know? And then we thought, well, what, what should we do? What should we do to make a difference? And at that time I had actually just finished creating a social, a small social network for, for Western, for the Aboriginal Policy Research Consortium International. And it was called Indigilink. And it was a small uh, social network for Indigenous policy and research. So I had just taught myself how to build social networks. And, and I, looked at, I looked at my husband and he looked at me and I said, why don't we build an Indigenous social network for business? Love it. Yeah. And, Love it. And we looked at each other and uh, my husband has a background in communications, journalism and public relations. And I'm, I have oh. a bit of a techie background. I used to teach computer software. And, and what's his name? What? Sorry, what's that? What's your husband's name? Ryan Barberstock. All right, Ryan, high five for continuing the conversation. I love it. We've been here today. Love it. Yeah, so we, we looked at each other and we said, well, why don't we create a, a social network for Indigenous business where we can share these best practices, we can share some ah, yeah. people, people can connect online, and we're going to make it easy because we're going to have this progressive social network. So we did. We created, uh, it's called the Aguajo Network. It, was, it took us a whole year to build. We actually built it just the two of us. And um, you'll, you'll, you'll like this story. <laughs> so we had just gotten married in 2013 
And the two of us are actually very shy, so we didn't want a conventional wedding. So we actually eloped. <laughs> Did you really? We, we, eloped, uh, we told our families after. Luckily, they were okay with it. <laughs> uh, that's that's yeah, wonderful. The, yeah. the story is that um, our families had actually saved up some money. If we ever got married, we didn't realize it. And so when they gave us the money, instead of going on a honeymoon, we used it to launch the Aguajo Network. So we're true entrepreneurs. Love <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's your journey. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Very, very cool. <laughs> so so talk about the Oguaho, um, you know, uh, some of the programs. You talk about the social network, which is absolutely amazing. You know, the, the pure essence of the fact that you've identified your customer, you know your customer, and you know what their needs are and their pain points are and so on. And so, you know, I guess, first of all, can you give us an overview of some of the programs that you're delivering through your network? And uh, what's your, what's ultimately, let's say the next two years, what's your vision is to where you want to take the network? Okay. Sure. I'm happy to talk about a little bit about the network. And I should also mention that our company is really evolving and, and changing. So we're actually doing mm. things outside of the, the network as well. Oh, fabulous. So I'll, talk, I'll talk about the Aguajo Network first. So it was launched in 2014. And it's, it's um, I guess it has similar features to what you'd be used to with a regular social, social network. So you have the ability to connect with people on there. Uh, you've got a news feed. You can create groups. You can interact. You can chat online. Uh, you can you can set up a profile. In 2015, we actually shifted the Aguajo network into a social network that's just a a regular social network because some of the feedback that we were getting from some of our early adopters was that some of the indigenous people, even though they were doing activities that I would have considered entrepreneurial, didn't consider themselves entrepreneurs and felt Mm. intimidating to be joining a business network. So, wow. Interesting. Yeah. So we don't, we don't market the Aguajo network as a, as an indigenous business social network anymore. We, we just market it as an indigenous social network. And something that listeners may find interesting is we actually had a few surprises with the Aguajo network. So I'll I'll tell you what they are because they they tie into how our company is shifting. I thought you were shy. (laughs) (laughs) You're taking over this interview. (laughs) I'll tell you, this is what I'm going to say. I'm just sitting enjoying this conversation. I love it. Yeah, I'm shy, Rivers. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. The Shira National Podcast Show. I, should, I, used, I used to teach do uh, adult based training in Toronto. So if you're if you're not careful with me, I'll I'll just give you a whole lecture. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Miss Barbara Shock. I got. I'll, I'll sit down now. <laughs> Love it. Oh, you're funny. Uh, <laughs> okay. So did you forget where you were? Yeah, I did. You were going to get, I don't know. I don't know. And I'll tell you, this is what you were going to talk about. Uh, We got to the point where it wasn't called the business network. It was just called the social network. And uh, anyway, I did want to talk about some of the programs that you're, that you're doing. Um, And, uh, but before we do that, and, and it may come back to you in a second. So, Ultimately, you know, your mission has a business overtones to it, a you know, an entrepreneurship overtones to it. So, how do you keep the dialogue uh, going in the direction that you want it to, or do you just let it be fluid and and yet your content, your focus is purely uh, an entrepreneurial flavor, if I could call it that? Do you do you really find you get they get two two types of paths of dialogue that are happening, yours and everybody else's? 
I'm not sure if I understand the question. What do you mean? Yes. Yeah, so, okay. So you wanted to, you had people that were coming into the network or not coming into the network because they didn't consider themselves to be entrepreneurs. And so what you did is you changed the name as part of that rebranding focus from, from the business network to the social network. That's correct. Is that correct? Yeah. We used to identify okay. as a business social network and we, right. we adapted to the feedback that we received. And now we just say it's right. an indigenous social network. So. Right. Uh, and so I guess, do you have, do you, do you, do you still, is, is the mission still about business best practices for you as a, as an organization, or are you just letting the dialogue go as a, wherever it might go with the network, with the people that are there participating from a conversation perspective? One of the things that we realized is that every, everyone has a different mission that they're working on mm-hmm. and, and didn't want to hold anybody back from doing that for, for some, nice. for some people, you know, they're trying to create a better support system for, uh, you know, indigenous LGBT youth for, other, mm-hmm. for other people. They are trying to improve things with health and wellness. For others, it's entrepreneurship. So what we did is we actually opened up the Aguajo Network so that it could be more open. So that you could you could come as you are and yep. and promote and and work on whatever collaborations and projects that are important mm. to you, not being defined mm. by us. Yeah, I love it. So it really became about life, not necessarily the life that you define. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. We made it more open. And the other thing that was kind of interesting with Guaho Network was we we had Indigenous people join from all over the world. So we have Indigenous people on there from Canada, the United States, Australia, and New Zealand. And on top of that, we also have a lot of non-Indigenous people that joined, which we actually found really interesting. And what we what we figure from that is there's actually a lot of Indigenous uh, non-Indigenous people that want to partner and collaborate and work with Indigenous people, and they're looking to the Guaho Network to help them make those connections. Isn't that brilliant? I love it. You know, that's when you talk about reconciliation, collaboration, connections, and so on. I mean, that's how it's all about, right? Is uh, is is bringing in many cultures and uh, and people as a social, as, as part of that journey. Um, I got to bring you back to the business side, though, of of what it is that you're 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 doing. And so, how does your business model work? Because a lot of social enterprises they struggle to make money, and I think part of that reason is because they feel guilty if they indeed are making money that they are uh, are not giving enough back to uh, to uh, to to their mission and so on. So how, how does your how does your 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 business model work? Okay. First, I want to acknowledge as an entrepreneur, it can be very difficult to make that money, especially like you said, when you're very socially minded. Mm-hmm. You no, know, there's situations where we've sat down with startups that are very interested in working with indigenous people, and we've done pro bono consulting in some cases because you know that they don't. They don't have their funding yet, so they don't have the money to pay. But you know that they're really going to make a really positive difference. So I think there are moments that as a social entrepreneur uh, when you do sort of volunteer your time. In terms of how the financial model works, I would say we're very adaptable as, as a company. Right. And especially, especially when you have different programs that are developing, you're in development with some new programs. And Aguajo is very much in development with some of the major new programs that we're developing. Right on. We also do other stuff like website design. So I, I think that as entrepreneurs, you really do have to be adaptable and you have to be creative. And, you know, there's, so, there's some months where, you know, we pay the bills with, with website design. And there's other months where you're doing promotional stuff. And there's some very large projects that we're working on uh, for the next year or two, which will be right really great. But I, th- I think that's how you do it. You, you be really creative and be open-minded 
And I mean, at the heart of our business is how do we support indigenous entrepreneurs? Mm-hmm. So even, even building yeah. websites, I, I feel good about doing that for people because I know that if I can make them a really nice website and help them with their marketing, that their business is going to be more successful. And that makes me feel good. Yeah, I love it. I was at a, um, um, a training session a couple of days ago and uh, they, they had this picture of, you know, the, the, your, your expectation of success, a straight line to the top when the reality is success. And it looked like just a bunch of squiggly lines all intersecting with each other backwards and forward and all that kind of stuff. And that's exactly what you do. It is. <laughs> What I love about uh, though what you've done, uh, Shira, is part of that though is always being honest to why you're doing this in the first place, and that social enterprise, that uh, that that greater cause, that greater connection of helping people. Uh, ultimately, in my opinion, will always shine through amongst all the deeds and programs you put together to make it work. Even if it even if it is a squiggly line all around, there ultimately <laughs> is under underlining that that heart of yours, which is just great. Yeah. So, um, uh, social enterprise. Are, uh, are 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 uh, are very much uh, a part of our life right now, and we just talked about the financial side and how do you uh, make that happen. But ultimately, you've grown membership, and so let's talk about st- what are the strategies or a main strategy that you adopted, or maybe it just became through uh, pure word of mouth that happened that that ultimately helped you grow your membership base for uh, for your network. I would say word of mouth is a big part of it. Uh, public speaking can be a big part of it. Promoting mm-hmm. social social media is is a huge part of it. That's helped to to grow the membership base for Guaho Network. So it's really doing as much as much as possible just to get the word out. People seem to really like the idea of the Aguaho Network because, I mean, the idea of bringing together Indigenous people and even non-Indigenous people to collaborate is definitely of interest. Um, but it can it can be a bit challenging at times as well. And the yes. for that is because people are very established in the different social networks that they're on. There's a lot of people, right. you know, LinkedIn and Facebook and, uh, and Snapchat. So <laughs> sometimes it can be hard to yeah. get people's attention and, and to get them to join a new social network. But yeah, yeah it's very noisy. And there's no doubt about it. And uh, there's only so many networks that people can hang out with. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you appreciate that that's a challenge, but ultimately it's by understanding your market the best. <laughs> and, um, and you're obviously doing that and, and, and people are responding accordingly. Do you, uh, do you have, um, you know, share this with your friends, um, um, uh, component on their profiles or, or do you give them the tools to share with their, uh, with their networks? Yeah, we've definitely helped people in the past. Sometimes we've had people approach us and say, how do I make a, a profile that's going to help my business? You know, how can I communicate uh. what I'm doing? So we have helped people to develop really good uh, profiles in the past. And I think the other thing too that's happened with the network, and I'm really, really proud of this, is whenever people have said that they've connected on the Agua network and now they're doing work together, that just makes yeah. me so happy. If you mm. even 10 people said, you know, I, I met someone on the Aguajo network and now we're collaborating and we're doing a project, then to me, I would say that we're successful because we brought them together. How many times a day, how many times a day do you say Agua Network? <laughs> a few. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm impressed. Seriously, I am. I think it's wonderful. I don't I don't know if you realize you're doing it, but you are really, you know, reinforcing the brand by talking about it, mentioning it by name. It's not the network. It's the the Aguajo network. It's <laughs> and uh, and I think it's really brilliant that you're doing that. I remember a while ago when somebody asked me, how do I market my business? I said, just open my mouth. And you're, you're just doing a fabulous job <laughs> on doing that. And I think it's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, did you hear me? I'll, I'll say it 19 times so you really hear it. And uh, that's exactly how you do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time where we need to take a very quick break, but we will be right back with more from our amazing guests. Stay tuned. Canadian-born business One by Sun creates and sells a unique collection of printed yoga mats, tote bags, pouches, and prints from original hand-painted designs to customers across Canada, the United States, and Australia. When their products are out for delivery, it's important for their customers to have total visibility to ensure their packages are delivered on time, no matter where their customer is located. UPS Canada helps customers track their shipments 24 hours a day, seven days a week, while co-owners Evangelina and Jamal can focus on growing their business. Join the UPS Small Business Program to get support on your unique supply chain needs. Plus, save 40% off shipping. Visit ups.com forward slash my business. Thank you to our sponsors. And we are back. So so uh, give us a kind of a, a day in your life. What's it kind of look like? Uh, and I'm not talking about, you know, flossing teeth. I'm more interested in, <laughs> in <laughs> I'm interested in your journey as an entrepreneur. Uh, how are, uh, how, does, how does your day typically look like? My day is crazy. <laughs> you are an entrepreneur. <laughs> no, no day is, uh, is the same. Um, and actually no. one of the things I love, I love the most about being an entrepreneur. I mean, some, some days I have to wake up really, really early because there's just so much to, to get done. Uh, I have a lot of, a lot of meetings lined up most of the time, uh, because, uh, word gets around and we're also working with, uh, indigenous companies that are interested in doing, uh, economic development uh, with indigenous communities as well. And that's new with us. And, mm. and it's so much fun. Cause as I mentioned earlier with the, with the research that I had done and the research that I'm doing right now in academia, it all, it all ties in and it's all, it's all coming together. So I would say that my typical day is responding to a lot of emails, uh, doing meetings regularly, building websites for people. And on top of that, uh, I'm not sure if, if you're aware of this, but I'm actually still a student as well. I'm doing a master's at Queen's right now. And mm. my thesis research looks at whether Indigenous social innovation can contribute to reconciliation. So I'm also spending quite a bit of time researching and interviewing Indigenous wow. entrepreneurs about, about their thoughts on it. So. My, well, let's pivot. Yeah. Let's pivot into that conversation because I'm very interested in that. And what's your what's your research telling you so far about uh, about that uh, that connection? Yeah, I I think it's really I'm very excited about the research. Uh, I mean, there was the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report that came out with a with the 94 recommendations, and I I think the recommendations are are very insightful. Uh, the the part on uh, reconciliation through business has to a lot to do with education, and I remember looking at it thinking a lot of Indigenous entrepreneurs are already contributing to this, uh, but nobody's writing about it. This is actually on how non-Indigenous people should be working with Indigenous people. Right. But I didn't really right. see much being written from an Indigenous perspective. 
terms of how indigenous people may be contributing to reconciliation. So that's what got me interested in the research. And even so far from the research, um, I'm, I'm discovering that my, my theories on this is correct. And indigenous businesses are actively contributing to reconciliation and it's through education. Sometimes it's through healing through their own art, if they've been um, uh, survivors of residential schools. Um, and then on top of that, I, I guess parallel to the research is uh, uh, working with a group of uh, non-Indigenous companies right now in the green energy sector and agriculture sectors. And right. I believe they are all contributing to reconciliation because they, they're working with Indigenous partners. They've all got stories about why they want to work with Indigenous people, and it comes from a really, really great place. And they feel like if, if they can uh, bring their projects into Indigenous communities and do it in the right way, that it will be good for the environment and it will help to generate economies and it's going to create jobs and it's it's going to help. So I'm, I'm even seeing examples of non-Indigenous companies that I believe are contributing to reconciliation. And, and to me, reconciliation has to do with developing respect between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people. And mm-hmm. there's also a bit of a justice element to it, I guess, which is writing, writing the wrongs of the past. And I think that when Indigenous and non-Indigenous people work together to make things better, to me, that's reconciliation in, in motion. I mean, we all, totally. we all live here in Canada or Turtle mm-hmm. Turtle Island, and when we work together to make things good, and we have mutual respect for one another, and and we're working together on a, a vision, you know, to make things better, then we are contributing to reconciliation, both of us, Indigenous and non-Indigenous people. Brilliant. And it is a journey, right, to uh, make that happen. And so it's not going to happen with a snap of a finger, but by continuing to collaborate, to connect, to tell the stories, to educate, um, I think that uh, that indeed mountains will be moved. So I just love that you're doing that. And what I'm interested in, have you started to bring some of that research and the findings of that research into the uh, the Aguajo uh, Business Network? There, I helped you say it again. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's happening nat- uh, naturally in the Aguajo network before before I even started doing the research ah. because indigenous uh, and, sorry non-indigenous people were already joining the network and trying to work with indigenous people. So before I was even writing about it, <laughs> yeah, I love already it. Happening. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome. Well, it's great to hear that. So let's get back to your 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 business career, your entrepreneurial career. Um, you know, we've been hearing a lot about your successes, and but we know Shira that there's been some pains along the way with your journey and uh, and it's why passion and why the mission is so important because those are the ones that, that that's the the thing that keeps you going even during those dark times can you tell us about one of those lessons that you learned along the way uh, uh, in your business yeah well there's been a few a few challenges uh you know with growing pains with any any businesses and um there's a few of them. One, I wish I had learned bookkeeping. <laughs> I've <seen> everywhere. <laughs> You're right. So, I mean, that, that would have come in really handy. Um, and so there's, a, I guess, a few things to mention here. So that's one of them. The Okay, the, the biggest one I'd have to say is being an Indigenous business and focusing on on things like social innovation and, and even focusing on partnerships uh, for Indigenous economic development. There's actually, there's a lot of, a lot of grants that are available for businesses that are doing that type of stuff. Right. I'd have to say one of the challenges is, is knowing how to write into those grants, knowing mm. how to look for them, how to access them, uh, proposal writing. I, I really wish I had paid more attention to that in the beginning of our business, because I think we would have actually grown bigger, a bit faster if I had known how to access that money. So 
so being able to access that financing ha- has been one of the biggest challenges. Sure. Well, I think you're right. There is a lot of opportunity to do that. And, you know, um, I was talking to another podcast with uh, Profit Magazine's Female Entrepreneur of the Year. And uh, and she was, you know, we were talking about the, 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 the world of business for a woman and relating to men and all that kind of uh, great dialogue that's happening now to help, help uh, move more women in the entrepreneurial space. But she also said, you know, but then again, I use it to my advantage. She said, I used to to think, uh, I don't really like that. But she says, you know, there's lots of opportunities because I am a woman that I can take advantage of associated with that. And that's exactly what you're saying. You've got an opportunity to take advantage of these, these grants, uh, these, uh, these, uh, uh, financial, um, incentives for promoting indigenous support and movements. And, and I think it's great that you're recognizing that, Hey, I need to take advantage of that because they're there for me for the taking. Mm-hmm. And, and especially with our social mission. Mm, so important. It would help a lot because for some of the projects we could we could staff up more, we could make yeah. happen, and you know. So I, I would say that's definitely the biggest challenge. So what are you doing to? Uh, so you've learned the lesson. Are you are you are you uh, spending more time in that area? <laughs> definitely, I've created a whole binder. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, I love with it. a whole bunch of the grants that I found, and I've also been doing some networking uh, to see if I can find someone who'd be interested in doing some work on proposal writing with us. Yes. And someone who might potentially want to grow with us, because as Aguaho grows and we start branching into the areas of uh, Indigenous economic development, we are looking to to grow our team and to think big and we have a lot of big plans over the next few years so yeah, well, I, I know that you probably know about this, uh, but for the Aguajo n- uh, Network or any other organization, folks, there's there's lots of uh, quote-unquote consultants out there that look for that funding for you, and they'll just take a commission as part of it. So uh, you might want to take that in consideration as you're looking for funding for your own business. So just a little side commercial there, but I, I think it's important, again, to to do that research, whether it's you or somebody else, because the opportunities there, the grants and the financial incentives are not going to chase you you, you got to figure out what they are. So, Shira, look, I'm, I'm really interested because of uh, this great conversation, but as an Indigenous entrepreneur, what is success for you? That's a really good question. And I think especially in the realm of Indigenous business, I think that definitions of success can be different, even from the Western notions of success, uh, being, you know, being financial, uh, as an indigenous person to me, success has everything to do with social impact. Am I, am I helping things? Uh, am I helping to make things better for indigenous entrepreneurs? Am I, am I supporting indigenous communities? Am I, am I helping to make things better? Because at the end of the day, if, if I am helping indigenous entrepreneurs and helping indigenous communities and even helping non-indigenous people, I'm very open-minded with business projects that we, that we work on. If I, have a good social impact, regardless of how how much uh, financial gain may have come from that, or if it's very little, I would say that we're successful. Mm, Love it. Very nice. Very, very cool. But so let's get back into, I know Ryan influences you because he influenced you as part of your discussions on that four and a half hour drive. And uh, then he influenced you to marry him, which was, <laughs> sounds like a pretty smart move on my my part, based on what I'm hearing about how, how wonderful you are. But besides Ryan, where do you look for for mentors for you, for people that influence you? I'm so fortunate because I have so many amazing mentors. Uh, we we have uh, a few 
business colleagues actually in Australia. One of them is Maori. And I've learned so much uh, just, just from being able to talk to him. He's such an amazing entrepreneur and such an amazing person. So some, some of my uh, colleagues and peers have been a great influence on me. And they're also social entrepreneurs. And just, just the way that they think about things, I've learned so much. I'm also very fortunate because we're actually one of the uh, businesses that are being incubated at Innovation Park in Kingston. Mm, nice. Yeah, and I wanted to talk about that a little bit because I absolutely. I think more it's your it's your interview. It's not mine. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I, think, I think more entrepreneurs should know about that because um, I think that incubator spaces are amazing. We we've met so many uh, amazing uh, social innovators out of Innovation Park, and we've we've had so much support with people just sitting down and and talking to us about Aguaho International and different things we can work on. And Startup Canada has also been really amazing. We're we're pretty new to. Startup Canada. We just launched Startup Kingston uh, officially this month. Right on. Congratulations. Yeah, That's great. Thank you. So I think Startup Canada is a really amazing, uh, amazing network of, of entrepreneurs. Just the, the positivity and the support is really amazing. So there's there's mentors everywhere. I think it's yeah. just having an open mind and realizing that every everyone is both a teacher and a student and everybody has something to to share. How do you uh, how do you um, uh, nurture uh, that relationship with your mentor in Australia uh, on a regular basis? Do you or do you do that, or you just reach out when you need to have the dialogue? And uh, and he says, Shira, yeah, awesome, no problem, let's chat. Our our colleague in Australia is actually a business partner. We're actually working. Uh, some with him on some projects right now. And for that reason, I, I'm very fortunate. I get to Skype with him once a week. <laughs> love it. Love it. And you schedule that, don't you? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's so important. You know, I'm, I'm always, I, I fight with that word mentor versus coach. And uh, because I believe that mentorship is good, but really what you want is a continuous relationship that is that has some formalization around it and mentorship you know people oh i had a coffee with shira yeah we had a nice chat and and but to me that's not mentorship that's just really having a chat and sharing sharing because you want to help mentorship slash coaching is this formalized relationship and that's what i, I love that you reinforce that is that uh is it one it's it's uh, it's part of a business relationship but two you formalize it and three uh you didn't mention it but i think is really amazing is you show that the, the, the mentor doesn't have to be in your backyard. They can be thousands of miles away in a country called Australia and uh, we'll figure it out. So uh, I love that. And, you, and you, you don't have to stick in your own backyard. No, and I think if anything, he can bring some really interesting perspectives coming from Australia because he's got a, a fresh way of looking at things. So Yeah, totally, totally. Okay. Well, Shira, you have been just an incredible person to talk to, and uh, I consider it a real honor to have met you today and to have this dialogue. And I'm going to let the last words be yours. You've uh, you got a, you got an entrepreneurial community that's uh, stayed on to the last uh, second to hear more of what you have to say. And so, what do you want to tell them of, of kind of a, a golden nugget that you would like to leave? Anything personal, professional, insight, whatever you want. I think the thing that I'd like to, to leave today is just the whole idea of creating a business around something you can be really passionate about and having the foundation of your business be some sort of mission. So for me, my mission is to make things better for, for indigenous, indigenous people in Canada and even on a global scale. And the other thing that I want to leave is the power of collaboration. 
Mm. Aguajo wouldn't be where it was today without the amazing people that we have around us, our, our supporters and collaborators and colleagues. And, and for me, that's really what the whole magic of our business is, that Aguajo brings people together and connects people to work together and collaborate. Well, it really goes to reinforce your reconciliation discoveries that are happening about Indigenous and non-Indigenous people coming together as part of that reconciliation. So um, I just applaud what you're doing. Um, I know Ryan isn't on the phone, but a uh, big high five to him from all of us across Canada, too, for the work both you and he and your, your team are doing. Uh, keep keep the magic going, and I look forward to the opportunity when I, when I get to shake your hand. Thank you so much yeah. for being on the show, Shira. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to more awesome entrepreneur content? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag startup chats and hashtag startup school, which you can catch every Monday Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. Hi, this is Edwin Frendozo, the co-founder and CMO of Slingshot VoIP and host of Startup Chats, and you are listening to the Startup Canada podcast. So how, let's get back to business communications, um, the world that you hang out with on a, on a regular basis. You know, uh, we talked about where you started, uh, but how's it, how's it changing today? And, you know, with technology the way it is, what, what's, the, uh, what's, what's Edwin's crystal ball telling us as to where we're going in the next five years? Oh my gosh! If if I had the right answer, I may not even share it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's a stupid but, question, uh, isn't it? Where are we going? <laughs> well, I'll tell you where we're going. <laughs> I'll tell you, maybe, but uh, oh, you're a hundred percent right. I I see. I, I sit in communications. That's where I live and breathe. Funny enough, we were just talking about Toastmasters but it's also the technology and the systems that we provide. But it's changed so much, even from the day I started working at Nortel, which was, believe it or not, in the late 90s. But, uh, but I mean, really, there's no longer the days of voicemail. I don't even have voicemail on mm. my cell phone anymore. Mm. Like, I turned that off like four or five years ago, believe it or not, because I never wanted to check mm-hmm. it. So, and then we have the rise of instant messaging, text messaging. You have video communications. Everything is changing. And not only that, uh, I, I was just in a conversation recently about this, Rivers. You have millennials coming into their workforce. And if you ask a millennial, that's probably the first time they saw a desk phone. Mm-hmm. Their parents may not have had a desk phone. They probably all had cell phones growing mm-hmm. up. Like Maybe they didn't have a home phone anymore. Yep. So they come, they come into this <laughs> business environment and it seems kind of old to them. Like, what is this device and how do I use it? Like, that's changing. And, and that's something that we're trying to, as a company, truly trying to look at the advantages, how things are changing. Ultimately, because we built our, our, our own network, our own infrastructure, we, we pride ourselves as being uh, research in, in R&D company, right? Mm. So we're looking, we're playing how new communications is. 
But one thing that hasn't changed, it could change soon. The phone number is still a unique ID. Mm. It's still it's still a sacred number. We're easily I could easily give you my Twitter address, my Instagram address. I may even give you my email address. But you know what? I'm not going to give you my my phone number. Mm-hmm. I may not even give you my extent. Like I may not even give you my work number or my extension because you might just bother me there. Mm. So it's still things may not change as fast as we think because of all these new communication. Uh, avenues because it's still a unique number and people still in in business in community in business communications is still key it's very hard to make and create a new relationship over text messaging you it's very hard to sell someone on text messaging mm-hmm. you're gonna want to make a sale either talking or in face person when you can hear the voice and see the voice mm. so I, I i see things still still really reliant on voice communications don't get me wrong, instant messaging and all this Twitter, it's great for customer service. It's great for keeping a, creating a community and doing all that type of stuff. But when it comes down to business, stakeholders, C-level people, they love to talk on the phone still. And business is done talking, talking, talking to people. And you don't have to write things down. It's, it's still faster than Twitter. It's still faster than tweet, tweeting. I'm pretty sure I could do more than 160 characters right now. <laughs> I think you could too. I love it. 